from the Comedy Zone in Charlotte, North Carolina. This is the Comedy Zone Podcast. Find us on Twitter at the CZ Podcast and email us at ComedyZonePodcast at gmail.com. Now, your hosts, Will Jacobs and Sammy Joe Francis. I feel like it's false advertisement every week. A little bit. A little yeah. bit. We seem to be hit and miss. Did, did Will record that? No, that no, intro? no. That's not Will's voice. You're a horrible oh, person. I'm a terrible person? <laughs> <laughs> Is it a nerdy white guy? Why does that make me a terrible person? No, it's a... It means it could do announcer voice. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Maybe it's part of one of his gigs. Anyways, he's not here because I've killed him. Yes. And I've stored him in Jacksonville, Florida. Um, and he is doing stand-up for... Uh, he is uh, at the Comedy Zone in uh, Jacksonville, Florida this weekend. He's the feature act for Marilyn Rice Cub. This and weekend. she is the chick from 24. She was Chloe in 24. Right, but yeah. she that wasn't a funny character, but she is very funny. She is great, yeah. yeah. She was a stand-up comic first. Right. And then, I believe, auditioned for the part of Chloe. And then they kind of altered that part for her personality after they auditioned. Oh. It's Hi. a very cool story, actually, how she got involved with 24 and... Yeah, well, I would like to talk to her about it, but I guess Will will have to take care of that <laughs> yeah. and fill us in. I'm sure she'll be here in Charlotte at some point. She was here about a year ago. Okay, so Will's going to sure have like back. the background on that one. Damn it. Yeah. He gets all the good stuff. He does get all the good gigs. Well, we've got a lot coming up this week. This will be fun. I don't know if I have the, the greatest voice in the world or the prettiest eye in the world, but... <laughs> yeah, you've had, a, you've had a long week. It was It was a long week of bartending, yeah. and so I feel like... Once I get delirious slash tired, I start hurting myself, not on purpose. Yeah. It's not like, a, why are you working so much and, <laughs> you know, bruising myself. But it does turn into that because I start doing things and then just inadvertently hurt myself. Explain what happened to your eye. Okay, before I get to my eye, yes. earlier that night, um, I was trying to flip a glass, not cocktail style. I was just trying to pick it up. <laughs> and it flipped and I tried to catch it before it hit the ground with my elbow because that's logical. Yeah. And I thought I broke my elbow. It hurts so <laughs> flipping bad. Anyways, so fast forward, I'm complaining about this to one of my um, friends slash regulars named John. And he's like, what are you going to bitch about it all night? Like, get over it. So I'm like, you're right. Whatever. Hmm. So I go to flip chairs up at the end of the night so we can sweep the floors. And I see somebody pass by that looks very distressed. Not a homeless person, somebody I know. Otherwise, let's be serious. I'd be like, okay, homeless person, deuces, and we'll keep it moving. Good luck. But I get distracted when flipping the chair up, and the silver bar where you put your feet hits me right above the eye, right in the eye bone. bone. Let me tell you a great way to end the night. That, if there, (laughs) that was all sensors. After that, I was like, mother, ah. So I let the person in, and he's like, hey, what's up? And I was like, talk to Trey. And I go to the back and I grab ice. So then the rest of the night, it looked like I got into a bar fight. Awesome. Yeah. Would have been much more entertaining. Yeah. Uh, it it's actually, that's why Will's not here. He hit <laughs> me. Was, right. You got into a, into a bar fight with Will. I think a bar fight is a better story, but that is still pretty entertaining, though. Yeah, but then it would mean that I got hit, and let's be serious. Yeah. I, I wouldn't I, get it. I, my money's on you in a bar fight. Though. Well, thank you. I appreciate that because small, I have the bottles. Yeah. I'm small but scrappy. Yeah. I'll take it. Yeah. It's going to be my boxing name. Small and scrappy. I think I think getting hit with the underside of a bar stool is a is an odd is an odd thing. It didn't knock me over and I didn't cry. So <laughs> that's that, 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 So when I was telling John the next day, he was like, "Oh, what? I wish I would have been here for that." I'm like, "You dick." Yeah. <laughs> He's like, "Did you cry?" I said, "No." 
No. It's, well, yeah. Oh, it hurt you? like a... Yeah. Oh, but I didn't cry. I was strong. Strong like bull. <laughs> like bull. Uh, big show today. Big show today. Big We've show. got part two of Barry Cummins. Yep. Uh, that's coming up in uh, segment three. If you didn't listen to the first part of that interview, uh, you're a terrible person, but I'll forgive you if you go back to last week's episode yes. and listen to part one, as well as our hilarity that goes on every week. Yeah, and uh, Rory Scovel uh, last week from right. those who can as well. But the wait, uh, did you see how I let you say the name? Because Rory, I'm, yeah, it is a little yeah, it's a little rural juror. Yeah, Rory Scovel. I couldn't say my R's when I was young. I had to go to speech therapy in uh, elementary school. So, and I had a good friend named Rory. So of course I you can't. Did. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> that's just nature's way yeah. of letting you know that. I'm like, hey, you can't say <laughs> this. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha. That's her name. Come up with a nickname besides Rory. Rory, but also today. Yes. Is the one and only. Jay Anthony. That's right. Jay Anthony Brown. I'm really excited to talk to him because yeah. he is kind of, um, we kind of fell into this career and it, it, you know, it worked for him. And then he went back to what he initially wanted to do and he's branded himself very well. So I'm, I'm excited to talk to him. Plus he does radio um, on a pretty regular basis. Yeah, I think um, morning, weekday mornings. Is that right? Yep. On the Tom Joyner show. Yeah. Right. Um, we're supposed, Will wants us to ask him about the time he walked off Tom Joyner. Okay, I will. But I think he's actually branched off of Tom Joyner because I think he has his own show now. I'll yeah, ask him about it. That's entirely possible. Right, <laughs> yeah. We'll be the, editing that part out. That, <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to say, Will's probably going to ask him, or Will wants to know that, and I'm going to ask if that's what led to <laughs> having your own show. But I'm excited to talk to him, and that is coming up in segment number two. Yeah, so it's a big show. We still have almost an hour with uh, Barry Crimmins. Yeah, and um, that goes into AOL and yeah, it, searching. It, it, um, it starts with his battle against AOL in the early days of the internet. We'll talk a little bit more about that when we enter that segment. In right. You know, p- kids in this three. generation won't even know what no the idea. hell you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. The battle with AOL, is that an STD? Yes. <laughs> yes, it is. When, okay, like you, you have kind of always had the internet, right? I mean, you're, you're, um, I mean, as a little kid, I guess you were minus yeah. the internet, but. No, I mean, I remember like um, the old school computers where you would like, uh, it was like the reading game and you would press the space bar right. if you knew the word type right. thing. Yeah. Um, but no, other than that, like we had the dial up AOL. I remember that like AOL 2.0, 3.0, 4.0. Like yeah. remember it just kept going up. <laughs> You'd get a CD every other day. Right, yeah. right. Um, and I remember that. I remember uh, I don't know if you remember Live Journal. I remember Live Journal. Live yes. Journal. Yeah. Um, and Facebook when it was just college. I think my freshman year, it was still in college. It was still just college. Wow, yeah. You're, Dating myself You're just here. a child. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, uh, you're listening to Hollywood Vampires. So, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I remember life without cable television. Okay, well. So that's where we're, yeah. I mean, it... Sometimes we didn't have cable television. <laughs> Sometimes, but we, it was available. Does when we didn't count? pay the bill, we didn't have cable. Right. My mom was like, "No, we don't need it this month." I'm like, "Okay, cool. I don't need to see MTV," which is another thing that's like kind of in the past because now yeah. MTV is like Teen Mom and yeah, I don't I, know what else is on MTV. Uh, Not music videos. I don't. Are, are they still doing like Road Rules and Real World and all that stuff? No. Or road. Road. I don't think so. I, know, I have no idea. Because that used to be the big thing, too. And then they would do, after the show, they would do all the bar tours. Right. So it would be like, come see your favorite idiot from Road Rules <laughs> at Bar Charlotte. 
Yeah, and they'd get paid like ten grand to walk yeah. through the club. At and or and they could yeah. drink for free, and be idiots just like they were on the show. It's That's fantastic. a good gig. Yeah. If you can do it. I mean, I wish I would have been old enough to do it. I would have. Yeah, like just be on TV for, you know, be an idiot on TV for one season, and then and then, and then and basically this, it goes yeah. away because yeah. what are those people doing now? Not a lot. Right. Yeah. No, they're sitting pretty on their two thousand dollars that's left from that ten grand. <laughs> <laughs> They didn't spend it all at once. I think one of them pumped my gas not too long ago. Yeah? Yeah. You sure they didn't pump something else? <laughs> they, well, Times are tight. Okay. <laughs> so what, What your, uh, you bartended last week during the CIAA tournament. I did. That was phenomenal. And town. It gets pretty crazy if you're not uh, from Charlotte, not from around here. It gets pretty crazy. Uh, um, CIAA weekend. Um, it's um, it's the um, built around a basketball tournament, right? It is, and that's the unfortunate part because nobody goes to the tournaments. Yes, nobody goes to the games, yeah. right? And then somebody security told me Epicenter Security told me this year that you couldn't book one of those hotel hotels in Center City unless you bought a ticket to the game. Yeah, I think didn't the, mean you had to go to the game, right? And the tickets aren't expensive. No, I had covered it. You know, um, yeah. previously for the station, and um, it was just disappointing. Even the early rounds, where yeah. you know you get a ticket and you get to see three games for one ticket, yeah. nobody stayed. Yeah, or went. So there's. <laughs> it wasn't even staying. It was just <laughs> nobody even showed up. So there's 150,000 people who come into town for the tournament. Oh, yeah. All kinds of celebrities. Ten of them go to the tournament. <laughs> yeah, there's all kinds of parties and stuff. Literally, tens of people yeah. show up at the at the basketball right. games. Right, it's day parties and night parties. Yeah. Just madness. Yeah, it's actually. I, yes. You do feel kind of bad for the basketball, you know, for the players. And yeah, the basketball because, teams and stuff. because I think because they it's get, a big deal. Yeah, they you know, get a bigger turnout at their home yeah. games. Yeah. Oh, easily. Yeah. yeah, and I think the one team that does get a big turnout is probably JCSU, but that's because they're here. They're right here in Charlotte, and yeah. and the um other colleges that are close by usually do. But yeah. you know, if you've got teams from out of town, they. As far as I know, they jack up the hotel prices like they do for any big convention that yeah. comes to town or anything like that. But if you're just in town to see the basketball tournament and you're trying to go out to a bar, good luck. Yeah, I'm it's a hot mess. Or, or go anywhere around uptown. Right. I was talking to a lot of Uber drivers, and they said they had so many cancellations because the traffic was so bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's it's brutal. So what is it like now? You start your bartending day then, like on that Friday of the tournament. Uh, I did open to close, so I worked um, 10 a.m. until 2 a.m., mm-hmm. and then the next day I worked um, 12, 30 to 3 a.m., so 30 and a half hours. <laughs> In two days. Yeah. Yeah, that's fine. But it was worth it. That's fine. Totally yeah. worth it. Was it? What was it? I mean, to me, yeah, I don't have to stress about my mortgage this month. So that's true. That's thanks. Fair. That's fair. Thanks, CIAA. Yeah, and plus, I know a lot of the people because I've been bartending at the same spot yeah. for a while. So like, they'll come in and be like, "Sammy," and now I have like, you know four inches longer hair and yeah. twenty less pounds. You yeah. know, I'm like hey. As a bartender, you must see a lot of weird stuff. Oh, oh yeah. You know, I had a um, a picture show up, you know, Facebook that says four years ago today. And uh, CIAA is always kind of around the same time, but varies. So the last like two weeks, I've been getting like different pictures from CIAA. And this one was me posing with a guy and his shirt had a frowning face. And it says, your, your face makes my penis soft. Hmm. And I was like, why would you wear Like, that's not a good pickup line. But I guess if you're going for the funny... 
So I bought one for Will. I feel like it's <laughs> gonna go. Well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel like the, that's like you're. He's my guess. If you're gonna wear that shirt, you're probably so successful in that arena. I'll show you his face. You can tell me. That now you're just trying to challenge right. yourself. You know what I mean? Right. So you're trying to set up yeah. obstacles for yourself because it's just boring. Or maybe it's like a, a self-hate thing. That could be. You know, oh, I don't deserve a female. Let me wear this shirt. <laughs> Let me wear the shirt and scare them all away. Yeah. Yeah, that's a that's an interesting choice. Yeah. On his part. It's good times. You <laughs> know, but you, you see a, a lot of... I would have to do this on, on video to show you, but I guess I'll save that for another day. But the, <laughs> okay, the facial expressions of women dancing when they're trying to earn money and when they're or a drink and when they're just having a good time. Yeah. Vastly different. What's the stupidest thing you've seen in your in your bartending uh, experience? Oh, so many things. Um I don't know. I, I feel like you see a lot I'll tell you some crazy things that I've heard or seen or had fellow bartenders. I had the owner of my bar sometimes I fill in for him. He had a guy uh whip his dick out and go at it at the bar. Mm. Not with someone else, by himself, no, with just, his hands. Yeah. Well, sometimes you got. How do you how do you <laughs> handle that? No pun intended. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. How do you what do you, I don't as know. an owner? I I mean, I guess you have to. You, I got no idea. You have to stop that. Right. Guess, you so. stop it right now. <laughs> so you, you get out of here. Put that away. Go sit in your room. Think or about what you've I'm done. Cutting you off. And so then you have speak. the people who are sitting up, like trying to rally after throwing up, and that blows my mind. Oh yeah. Why you wave the white flag? You've thrown up. Yeah. It's not cute. For a female or a male. Yeah, no, no, no. You, you haven't paced yourself correctly if you're actually vomiting at the bar. Yeah, I had. Um, well, I didn't really cut this girl off because she didn't get a drink for me because she was hammered when she showed up last night. But um, I said to her, she stole her friend's drink, and I said to her friend who was sober, I go, I don't think she needs that. And she goes, No, 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 it's my friend. She doesn't mind. And he goes, No, no, no. She said, You don't need that. <laughs> no. So well, if she can have it, I can have it. I'm more better than her. And I go, And you're proving my point. <laughs> yes. Sir. Okay, Trump. Right, right. Put the drink down. Trump. That's Trump. what I'm calling him now. <laughs> <laughs> Make America Trump again. Which I'm not even tuning into anything political now. I'm over it. I'm I, unfollowing. I, I can't do it. I can't do it anymore. If you're a Trump supporter, yeah. you're unfollowed or unfriended. <laughs> yeah. We try not to get political here, but but oh, it's just silly. I don't even think it's, it's political. It, it's I think it's comedy. Car. It's a it's a clown it really car. is. It, it, it's a flaming clown car. Yeah. I think um, everyone, I uh, am nominating Rufus T. Firefly for president. Okay. Uh, Rufus T. Firefly is uh, Groucho Marx's character in uh, Duck Soup. Okay. So everyone go back and watch uh, Duck Soup and tell me that Rufus T. Firefly is not a better candidate than anybody we've got available. On the write-in, I'm just going to write in Obama again. Do you think it'll work? (laughs) I don't think that will work. Damn it. I'll I'll go back to the drawing board with that one. All right. Well, when we come back, we've got uh, part two of Barry Crimmins. But first, we've got Jay Anthony in house, and you are going to not want to miss this. We'll see you in a bit. Aiming for heaven, but probably wind up down in hell. Where upon this altar, I will hang my guilt-ridden head. But it's time I'll take before I begin Three sheets to the wind Three sheets to the wind Yeah, it's time I'll take before I begin Three sheets to the wind Three sheets to the wind Rebels 
Hey, Sammy Joe. Hey. Hey, there are some really cool shows coming up uh, at the Comedy Zone in the next few weeks. J. Anthony Brown, March 4th and uh, 5th at the Comedy Zone. That would be, if you're listening to us the day the show comes out, tonight and tomorrow awesome. at the Comedy Zone in Charlotte. And uh, he's hilarious. He is awesome. Stuff you don't hear on the radio, you'll hear at the show. That's right. And we're about to hear from J. Anthony Brown yeah. here in the studio. Yes. Awesome. Uh, Brian Posehn, March 10th through the 12th. You're going to want to be here for that. Uh, Josh Wolf, March 17th through the 20th. From Chelsea A- Handler? From Chelsea Handler. Very okay. Good. Ari Spears, Arsenio Hall. Uh, a night with Kevin Smith. First show sold out. I believe there are still some tickets for the 10-15 show. That is uh, Monday. You hurry up and get them. Monday, April 18th. Filmmaker Kevin Smith, D-Ray Davis, Charlie Murphy, uh, Dave Attell, Jesse May Peluso, Craig Robinson, Bruce Bruce. All those shows coming up at uh, the Comedy Man, Zone. Man, they've got some serious comics coming it's, in. Uh, yeah, a, an excellent ah, no pun intended. group uh, of uh, comics coming in to the Comedy Zone. Also, other shows. Uh, Fight Night uh, still coming up. Another Funny on the Fly, uh, Wednesday, March 16th. You know, you talk kind of quickly. Where could I find this information at? You can find it, it's funny you ask, Sammy Joe. Is it? You can find this information, uh, of course, at the Comedy Zone website, cltcomedyzone.com. Follow the Comedy Zone on Twitter at Comedy Zone CLT. Find them on Facebook at Comedy Zone CLT. You can also, of course, just call the box office, 980 321 4702. Great shows coming up at the Comedy Zone. Voted again year after year the best uh, nighttime venue in Charlotte. And why wouldn't it be? Of course, because it's a great time. Yeah. All eight years he had to fight people. People. All eight years they had rock like, uh, he's almost gone. In the fall, his time's up, but he didn't give up. And when he leaves a show, it's gonna be all white. White people, we gonna be all white. White brother, we gonna be all white. White sister, it's gonna be all white. Do you hear me? You know, I really wish Will was here to hear this because he would understand this. So, like, I understand because I know the song. But Brian, you've never heard the you've real. song. You've never heard this song in your life. No. Okay, the real song says it's going to be all right. <laughs> this is so cool. White this- explaining to white what black is. Right. <laughs> I am not the target demo. You're welcome. <laughs> Anyways, Will would have appreciated that. We just had this conversation <laughs> that we play a different type of demographic music. Because Brian normally chooses it. So, <laughs> this is your newest parody? Is, no, the, the one I did today was, um, it's a song parody of Hezekiah Walk. It's a gospel song. Okay. It's called Every Praise. Why, do you, why don't you think no, I I'm, listen I'm, to I gospel? No, I you know. Now you know. Okay. I'm, all right. Him, not so much. I don't okay. know. Oh, not, <laughs> right. not the target demo. Not right. the target demo. And it's great to be here, man. I love the setup that you guys have here. I have a... A radio show that I do out of LA, which yeah. my, I wish my setup was this big. So, wow. and that's what wow, the, that's in, the internet has changed the game. Yeah, for, for sure. It allows you to. Uh, I'm doing a radio show, mom. You know. <laughs> <laughs> it well, allows everybody to to be a voice, and it's it's great. It's, isn't it great, man? It, it is awesome. Well, let me tell everybody who I'm talking to because this is Jay Anthony. Hey, round of applause. All right, round all right. Of applause. thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You know, we started with your song. I didn't want to <laughs> go straight to introducing you without explaining the song to Brian because he would have been lost for at least yeah. 60 minutes. <laughs> at least. Sorry, but I do love you. Well, thanks, you know, for thank That's you, fair. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So I, I want to kind of talk to you about your background and getting into um, the comedy scene because you, you kind of accidentally came into it. 
No, I always wanted to be a comedian. Oh, really? I, I really always loved comedy. I would. They had the show that would come on on the radio. I'm from Columbia, South Carolina. We mm-hmm. would come here and spend the summers with Seven Day Adventists. So that was not a lot of fun. Yeah, no, it doesn't you sound know, like because they stopped. They 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 shut it down at at noon on Friday. They shut it down. Then no radio, no television, until no Sunday. Till Sunday. Till Sunday, Sunday at it's on, sundown. Sundown or? or something like that. Yeah. So that was not a lot of fun, but. Comedy, I just I always wanted to be. I was not the class clown, but I love being next to him. I love being around that person. Right. You, know? you were the I, hype man? I, yeah, I was a hype man. <laughs> Coming up. All right, fourth grade class. It's about to be on now. <laughs> so I just always loved comedy, and I, I just got into it. Now here's a question, because uh, my boyfriend was raised very Christian, strict mm. Christian, only gospel music. Mm. And so he wasn't allowed to listen to rap music and, and things like that. Was that the same with comedy? No. Were you allowed to listen? I to wasn't. Comedy? Well, there was certain comedy you weren't. Certain uh, comics you were not like you weren't allowed to listen to Red Fox. Okay. You weren't allowed to listen to any comedy that was considered blue, and it's weird. We could listen to Bill Cosby and look how that turned out, well, right? Mm, mm, mm. <laughs> womp womp. <laughs> well, <laughs> that is one of my favorite sound effects. <laughs> You're it's welcome. From, I'll do it uh, all the day one for from, you. Uh, um, boom, 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 boom. <laughs> from the prices right. I love that one. Oh. But yeah, we weren't allowed to ris- listen to anything that had cursing in it, which meant we would listen to stuff that had cursing in it. And right. It, uh, just not in front of anybody. Yeah, and not in front of your parents. So, but uh, that's how I got into comedy. I moved to Atlanta to go to school for to be a tailor. Okay, where were you be, at school? Uh, it was a school called Massey Junior College. It was okay. called Massey Junior College. I'd already finished school in Denmark. South Carolina. Okay, see, the I was like, see how I impress people? Then, I put, I throw it out yeah, there. Yeah, they're like, wow, foreign exchange. Well, so exchange. Cool. South Carolina. And I <laughs> went to Denmark, South Carolina to take up tailoring, and I was going to go to the school to be a designer. Couldn't get in. So I started, you know, doing tailoring and working around town. Right. And I decided to give it a shot, and here I am. The rest is history. Yeah, I think that's so it's cool. It's great. It's, it's, it's the best job. It's one of those jobs. We were talking the other day. It's weird to be in this category, but rappers, DJs, strippers, and comedians, you can make a lot of money and <laughs> nobody not know who you are. Right. I do all of those things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can make a lot of money and not be very, very popular but have a successful career. But that's kind of almost the the best of both worlds. It's the best of because both worlds. a lot right? of these celebrities have everybody on their junk yeah, all the time. Yeah. And you can be a stripper, man, and you know, just who also have people on their on junk. A jock, right? Look how right. you did that. Boom, boom. We need sound effects in here. I know, I know. Working I just on have it. A, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Brian. <laughs> so, so it's great to be here. This is my first time here. I haven't been in Charlotte in about probably eight or nine years, which is really Isn't it good. It's so good. Vastly different now. Than nine years ago? Yeah, it's grown so much. It it's just like, man, it's so, you know, there's there's eating places and, you know, rest, well, eating restaurants. It's just so <laughs> much to do now. Yeah. I would come here, I like the first the first big concert I ever saw was here. What it, concert it, was it? Ovens, it's Ovens Theater. Ovens is, Auditorium. Is yeah, it yeah. still here? Yeah, it's still here. I drove here from uh, Columbia, which was a big deal. Right. To see the Jackson 5. Wow. Oh, wow. The When they were the Jackson 5. Right. Yeah. 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 It was, I never forget, it was $25. Oh, Can you believe my that? God. How long ago that was? You can't Well, no see. wonder they haven't torn Ovens yeah. down. They're like, this is, this is historical. Yeah, we can't so, tear this yeah. joint down. But I love Charlotte. Charlotte is nice. And it's so central to every place. You can live here and fly everywhere and get back. And yep. It's great. It's Where great do you city. live now? 
I live in Los Angeles. You LA. do. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's that's a little that's a little different. Yeah, yeah. but you know, with the southern girl. roots, you just once you're from the south, you, you stay southern, right. right? You don't you don't try you keep to it and head out west. Yeah, and I come back all the time to Columbia to see my people. So, so I know you do a radio show now, mm-hmm. but you on a show, but you've written for. I wrote so I wrote for Arsenio people. for five years, and that was. Uh, I'm gonna that, ask him about. Yeah, he he'll, oh, he'll probably have nothing but good. I had that was the best time. Because what I what I learned from working for Arsenio, it was so I I never forget him. I'm so beholden to him because he hired me without having a huge resume. I sent him some jokes. He likes he liked the jokes. I go in to meet him and he said, You're hired. And that's mm. that's unheard of. Right. And I'll never forget it. His producer was like, Well, we don't know and I'm doing her voice. We don't know who he is. We don't have a resume. I mean, yeah. I thought that was a guy. It's we were thinking for telling It's a lady. Marla <laughs> Brown was her name. She's a sweetheart. But she was like, well, we never heard this guy. And Arsenio like, dude, you got the job. I'll see you Monday. That's awesome. And that was a break, man. That was just like. A huge break. That was a huge break for yeah. me to be writing for him. And what Arsenio taught me, what what I learned from being on this show was how to write a joke. How to set up a joke and write punch, 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 and then move on. And so many comics, they to try to write a joke. It's not easy to write a joke. It also allowed me to, it also helped me to do radio when I got on the radio, how fast you have to do radio and get out because there's a commercial coming. Right. And I never be, uh, I can never say thank you enough wow. to him. And I quit. I quit that oh, job. That was your thank you. You know what? I I quit because I thought I was going to be fired. Why did you think you were going to be fired? Because it was a turnover job. I mean, oh, every 13 gotcha. weeks people got fired. Wait, so you only worked there for 13 no, weeks? No, 13 weeks your contract okay. had to yeah, be, your yeah. thir- 13 weeks your okay. contract had to be renewed. So every 13 weeks wow, they would renew and sometimes bring in Keep a Keep it fresh. Keep it fresh. And I just, every 13 weeks you always think you're going to get fired. Right. And so after about five years I said, I know he's going to fire me. So I just didn't go back to work. And I, I, That's I a lot of 13 week contracts yeah, though. Yeah, five years. I did five years. Yeah. So yeah. it was a great job. Man. Yeah, and now Arsene has always been a great comedian. You, so. Do you still keep in contact with him? Yeah, I see him from time to time. He's been on the Tom Joyner show. Okay, he gives me nothing but praise, and I appreciate yeah. it. Good, yeah. good love, good love. Nice to have Arsene. that. Yeah, he's coming here. He's gonna rip it up. Yeah, yeah. If you don't mind, I, I, it, when you were working on that show, did you guys have a sense of kind of the historical significance of what that show no, would be? No, you know, we didn't. Well, I, I, I think Arsenio did, but we were yeah. so you know, you got that thirteen weeks you wrote. Yeah. <laughs> You know what? It was it. It was so fresh and so new. Yeah. And the groups that were that were coming on and the entertainers, they were just what was happening. It wasn't like oh, we're making history here. Yeah. I mean, you had everybody from Ice T to Farrakhan yeah. to MC Hammer to Babyface, um, and he had a lot of groups. Um, um, uh, the Police, Sting was yeah. on there. I mean, and he had everybody. It was so amazing to see people camping out like we'd go to work at 10 o'clock and people would spend the night to try to get into that show yeah. wow it was amazing so at that time you didn't think like that but now when you look back on it man and i it almost was think history that may have taken away the magic if if you weren't being in the moment of like yeah this is awesome We're just man, we, we, do, we do stuff yeah. man yeah, yeah. If you had yeah. thought about it like that it would it, it may have changed it the dynamic it up a little bit yeah right but it was it was great because he was a guy that you could write a joke for and if he didn't understand the joke he'd call you in the room and said i don't understand this so you do the joke and then he get yeah. he and oh, his memory great. was awesome 
you know, mm-hmm. to remember a, a monologue every night, even though he was reading yeah. cue cards, to remember the punch and the, the inflection, he, right. it, it was awesome writing for him. It was awesome because mm-hmm. uh, comics were, I mean, the writers were very competitious. You know, we get the log, everybody would write two or three pages of jokes. Right. And when you got it back, what was circled. This was every day? This was every day. Wow. Five days a week. And what was circled was your joke. And so you're like, oh, my joke's in. My yeah. joke's in. My joke's in. My joke's in. I made it. Sorry your joke isn't in. Yeah. <laughs> in 13 weeks, we'll 13 see if you're weeks, still here. Yeah. And I, for five years. It was great, though. It was so much fun. You said that was your big break. What did that lead to? It led to me doing Def Jam, which my which was my other big break. I had about, I've had, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not like really, really religious, but I know there's a God. I go to church. Right. I believe in God. And I know that. You make parody gospel songs. I make songs. parody gospel songs. <laughs> but there's a higher power than me that somebody listening sure. over me yeah, that blessed me. I got a break in Atlanta when I worked at a place called. Uh, Mr. V's Figure Eight, which was a uh, a nightclub, they allowed me to be the MC. I got a break working on the Tom Jonas show. He hired me after I called him up and asked him and said I, I'd come and work for free, and I did work for free for about a year. And he ended up giving me a job. I got a, a break from Arsenio. I got a break from Steve Harvey. So it's been a lot of good guys who saw what I could do yeah. and gave me a break. And I think that was. The Def Jam was definitely Def Jam for black comics. Right. It changed the game. It, it totally changed the game. It gave America, not just um, 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 black people, but white people were able to see that there's a vast yeah. variety of black comics out yeah. there who could go up and kill it. And it, it launched the careers of Bernie Mac, yeah. Steve Harvey, mm-hmm. Cedric the Entertainer, D.L. Hughley, myself, or some more. You like, know, yeah, and, I just can't imagine yeah. not having those comics. Yeah. You know uh, yeah, what I mean? Yeah, it was Like, great. looking, uh, I guess, prior to, it would be hard for me to imagine comedy without, without those, those comedians, yeah. Right. And Def Jam, it changed again. Bernie Mac, break, you know, I mean, he came... You can can you curse on you can't curse on him. Oh, we can fucking curse. Yeah. <laughs> curse, curse. Say whatever you want. Bernie, Bernie, We're internet, Mac, baby. We're Bernie, internet. Bernie Mac when uh Bernie Mac has a, a catchphrase that came from Def Jam, which is I ain't scared of you motherfuckers. Where that came from, a lot of people don't know, was the comic before him bombed. The oh. comic by the name of Shucky Ducky bombed. He had it well, I wouldn't say bombed, he had a bad set. Okay. And so the crowd, with a name like that, how do you bump? Yeah. Well, and so the crowd booed him. Oh. And so Bernie Mac went out and said, "I ain't scared of you, motherfuckers. I don't do my I'm Bernie Mac. I don't give a fuck about nobody. I don't give a fuck." That's my best Bernie Mac. I like it. That's fantastic. <laughs> so yeah, that's how that's how, and that was the era of uh, catchphrase comics. I, that's weird. Catchphrase, uh, catchphrase comics. Catchphrase. Nobody has a catchphrase other than Kevin Hart. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, that's, that's true. It's it's kind of a lost art. Is it? You gotta have a catchphrase. So if you had a catchphrase, what would I it got be? one. What? Watch out there now. I got a oh, catchphrase. That's right. Yeah. I do Watch know that. Out there now. I got... You know, I should have known that. <laughs> you, which leads me to my next point. You branded yourself in so many ways. You actually, you know, you went, you started in the design world, uh-huh. and now you kind of circled back to it because you have your own line. No, I had my line, but it didn't do. It's... What happened? It didn't. In clothing, in the clothing business, is this. 13-week contracts? No, no, no. (laughs) (laughs) It's full circle. You will make something, and then you will give it to a manufacturer. Okay. Now, if it doesn't come back like you designed it, and it's really cheaply made, it makes you look bad because that's... That's not your vision. Right. It's like, say you make a pie and you give it to somebody and then they sweeten it up. and that Well, that's not the pie you made. Right. And then they sell it to somebody, but it's got your name on it. 
Right. That hurts your brand. Right. That happened to me. That's not my pie. That's not my pie. That's right. Yeah, patty pies, like patty. <laughs> Patty's not making those pies, but they, they happen to be good pies. But and they, they got her name. name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Damn it, if patty. you need a new catchphrase, that's not my pie. Yeah, that's not my pie. It's Nobody's messing with that one. That's right. a great one. That's not my pie. <laughs> I, don't know, I, might, I might just copyright that one. <laughs> I want to kind of circle back because you said all these people, you know, you had big breaks. Do you feel that it's important? Because I feel like it kind of works out. I'm in the... TV world, uh, and I feel like it works that way in TV. You, if someone gives you a break, you then return that favor oh, later I, on I, in life. I have a comedy club in Los Angeles, California. Mm-hmm. It's a struggling comedy club. It's nowhere near as successful as being in terms of turnout mm-hmm. as this club here, the right. Comedy Zone. I'm struggling, and I mean, I've been in the business with my club 10 years. Last month was the first time I was ever able to pay my rent with the club. That's a blessing. That's right. great. The other thing I like about it, I, I may have on any given night 10 to 20 comedians who want to go on stage. Now, I can't put them all up, but when I see the look in their face, like, man, you got to get And I tell anybody who ever listens to anything I got to say, man, drive beats talent. Drive beats it. You meet a person with drive. That's why I haven't made it yet. You, you have no drive. I'm, just, I'm joking. Of course I do. <laughs> drive beats talent. For example, we all know somebody who we grew up with, Concert, big concert comes to town, and they say, I'm going to that concert. And they say, well, you don't have any money. He said, oh, I'm, I'm going, going, to, that I'm going to that concert. And you say, well, I'm not going to go because I ain't got no money. You have no drive. You find out later on, not don't, only is he at the concert. So, so no, I'm just pointing to make a point. Let me point it in. But you find out not only is that guy at the concert, he's backstage because yeah. he got drive. Right. Drive will beat talent every day. If you meet a person with drive, they're unstoppable. I was the person fun. performing at that concert. That was, <laughs> I was like, I'm taking I, I was over like this that. Concert. I was like, I'm going to do this. I'm, I, yeah. I didn't. I never let the things I couldn't do stop me from what I wanted to do. What's your most memorable um, thing in comedy? Probably the um, the night um, I was working at a place called Mr. V's Figure Eight, and uh, they were big for giving up everybody a big birthday celebration. Okay. And so it was my birthday. And I thought they didn't give me one. I'm like, fuck, this is bullshit. <laughs> Everybody get a birthday, and I didn't get a birthday. I can't believe this. And and my mom was there. My Aww. sister was there. My then, at the time, girlfriend was there. And they, they brought out a big cake. And that was because of comedy. This is the first time my mom had ever seen me perform, which really fucked it up because she sat up front. Oh, no. Yeah. Don't you hate when your mom sits up front? Oh. <laughs> Just, just depending on what your topics were, <laughs> well, my yeah. Topics are, I have topics that mom should sit in the back of the room. Right, mom should not even be in anywhere in my she brain. Can come, but she should be in the back of the room. And so I played to her, and it wasn't one of my best shows. But right. that night was just, it was just magical for me. To oh, do that's that. good. And then Def Jam, doing Jeff Jam. Def Jam t- changed my life because so many things happened that night. So many. Um, one of the comics used my joke that we, that I did in rehearsal. So when I went up, he did my joke, and I'm like, I got that in my head. Oh, and it, it just. Did you confront him about it? No, I mean you don't want to. You don't want. No, that. not on stage. No, no, not you at just, all. You want to stay. If you, if I'm getting in a fight before I go on, I'm fighting. I'm arguing. I, right. Let me focus. Sometimes on, that's entertaining. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Comics are the worst, though, aren't they? They really are. I've never seen. I, from owning a comedy club, the biggest fights I've ever had was with comics. 
It's like a bunch of middle school girls. Worse than middle school girls. <laughs> yeah. He stole my joke. That's my song. I go to stage with that song. That's not his song. Yeah. He's talking to the audience. He knows damn well I talk to the audience. Anybody can talk to <laughs> Right. <laughs> He's talking to the audience, and I talk to the audience. Yeah. There's not rules. <laughs> Is that rule? Yeah. He moved the mic, and he knows I like to have the mic sitting in a certain <laughs> Yeah, some of the biggest fights. I didn't like the way he introduced me. What? Yeah. <laughs> you got an introduction. Get out on stage and shut up. That's crazy. Okay, so I have been asked to ask you about walking off the Tom Joyner show. Oh, okay. My Good. co-host, who is, you know, a hologram <laughs> right to, now. Yeah, he didn't have the guts to come to here and ask yeah. me. Right. So. He said, Sammy, take this one on for well, me. Well, I, okay. I put it like this. In, in every group, every group that's been together, you take any group, you take, um, say, say the Temptations, say the 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 Rolling Stones. Name another group. You name a group. Uh, oh, Beatles? it's going to be an old group. I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> I called it. Did head. you see that? I called it. You have no, but all the, the Eagles. The, the you, any one of those. The Eagles. Child, can we get? And that? we have been together for twenty years. Okay. And it's just one of those days that I'm like, okay. So you've been working maybe, maybe for them I, since you were five. That's no, I wish I was. I've been there 20 years, and it was just one of those days. I think I should go home and come back in three, and that was it. And well, I'm back. And all everything's right. Everything's cool. I love my job. So. Yeah. yeah. I also want to ask you, because I think it's really interesting that you went there or called him and said, I want to work for you. I'll work for you for free. I just want the experience. I tell everybody I that. If you want to, if there's something you really want to do, find a way you can get in for free. Yeah. So many people figure out, well, well how much I'm getting paid. Yeah. How much? If you want to get your foot in the door... Tell them you do it for free. Yep. Free, like, okay, really? You want to be a barber? Say, I'll come to the shop and I'll sweep up for free. Right. You know, whatever it is, try. you want to get, get in. Get your foot in the get door. Get your foot in the door. Yeah. I did radio for five years for free. I was working for Arsenio. In the morning, I would go do another radio show. His name was Rico Reed. When I tell you my mic was so low, people thought I was in a different state. But... <laughs> I stayed there, and I did the show, and by the time I got to the Tom Joyner show, I knew how to do radio. Yeah. So it was like a blessing. It was a blessing. Kind of paying your dues. The guy never gave me one dime, not oh, one wow. penny for gas, nothing. nothing. But I got an opportunity to be on the air for five years while I was working for Arsenio, and that's what I tell people, free. Free gets you in. And it gets you experience it, it, it to go, hey, I have the yeah. experience, I can yeah, do it. Yeah, I can do it, yeah. But a lot of people don't see it that way. Well, a lot, of, a lot of my generation yeah. doesn't see it, which I is do a joke on stage, I do a joke on stage, and I'll probably do it tonight. Um, and I, I, the difference between black people and white people, you tell a black guy, hey, man, you have a job. You can start today. You ain't got to fill out shit. You can start today. Don't worry about any of them. Just hang your coat on the wall. Right. Let's start today. A black guy say, today? You mean like today, today? <laughs> <laughs> Nobody gets a job and starts today. I came, I came in here looking for work. I didn't come in here to start work. That's a different. <laughs> so if you have that attitude, you're not going to make it. Right. You're not going to make it. Yeah. Which works out well for me since my generation isn't like that, and I am. Are you a free? Are you well? You're, you're uh, yeah, I'm. This is, I mean, I get paid millions to do this. Yeah, this is, this is. Yeah. This is for my pure enjoyment, okay? We're, we're making bank. Right. I am balling right now. Little room. On that note, I'm going to uh, run to the bank on this break, and we will be right back. I've never seen a country for 
But you can find uh, J. Anthony Brown on Twitter at J. Spot Comedy Club. That's J. Anthony Brown at J. Spot Comedy Club. Also, uh, keep up with uh, all his uh, dates and uh, details at uh, JAnthonyBrown.com. That's the letter J. AnthonyBrown.com. Oh, that's important to note. It is. The I mean, he, if you know him, you know it's just J. But well, if you're listening, you might think right, it's Right, it J-A-Y. sounds like J-A-Y. And, right. Yeah. Well, that's where you can find him on social media. You can find me at Sammy on Air, and you can find Will currently in Florida, but he's on Twitter at I am Will Jacobs. Right, uh, Will Jacobs at uh, the Comedy Zone in uh, Jacksonville, Florida, all this weekend. That's March fourth and fifth with uh, Marilyn Rice Cub. When's uh, he here again? Uh, I know he hosted Funny on the Fly. Yeah, that's a good question. I believe he's he'll be hosting Funny on the Fly again March sixteenth. Is this something I said? Is he it, avoiding? Yeah, me? he's he's he said I knew I, it. he's he said I can't work in these We're conditions so over. anymore. It's all done. Might be the wife. <laughs> uh, don't forget to check out our podcast. You're listening to it right now on iTunes and on what? Stitcher. On iTunes, make sure you subscribe, rate us, leave a review. It's the best way to help the show continue to grow. And um, and make we- sure you you um, comment on the current host that's in that description because it's not me. <laughs> oh, so if oh, you're rating it, crap. I'm Sammy yeah. Joe Francis. I should fix that. Yeah. Yeah. Still one of those names that could go either way, though. I'm gonna have to Sammy. Yell. I'm gonna have to yell at somebody. Like yourself and in the me. mirror. Yeah. Uh, and we used to tell people to uh, tell two friends. Now we're asking them to tell four. So you've got four friends. Do uh, they? Just send a text. <laughs> well, I like to think all of our I have like five. I'll tell my are five. well connected. So right. tell all of your friends about us. Send a group text and oh. uh, let people know we're out there and how much you like the show. Group text. Where can you it's download gonna be this? all white. Do you hear me? Do you feel me, baby? It's gonna be all white. <laughs> Where can people find this song? I, I got that up on iTunes. Okay, on iTunes. Might just be my new ringtone. Just it's for gonna work. be all white. Hello. <laughs> people look at me in the store like, is that? Did that just say all white? No, don't worry about it. Keep it moving. So, so you work for the Panthers? I do work for the what Panthers. What do you do? I'm their feature reporter. Now, what does that mean? For those of us who don't understand. I help the fans get to know the players away from the field. Who's the biggest butthole over there? You don't have to say his name. Don't mess up your good job now. Right. um, I don't know. There there are people who don't like to talk. Depending on the day. Right. And depending on the news. Uh Like if they win. Uh, well, if they win, they're they're seasoning. they are in great spirits. It's the best yeah. season I've ever worked because they were winning the whole time. Wow! I didn't have to talk to them after the Super Bowl, so I was good. Yeah. You know. And um, so what was the question I was gonna uh, ask you? Something. Had how did I my... get into it? Yeah, how'd you get into that? I got into it because I used to work at the local CBS station, which is where I know him from. He's a producer, uh, uh, marketing producer. What? It, what's your title? Uh, senior marketing producer. Oh, senior. excuse senior. me. Producer, excuse senior producer. Senior. Get it right. Don't get it twisted. That's right. Senior <laughs> marketing producer. So um, I had worked with him for a little bit, but I was local sports over there. Uh-huh. I did this Bojangle sales spot. I did the traf- the morning traffic, which let me tell you is riveting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I told the Panthers, I want to work with you in some capacity. And uh-huh. they said, 
Well, what do you want to so do? So you got in for free? Did you do for free? Or you just said you wanted uh, to? No. This is originally, I said, I want to do your sideline. They, this was right when Fox Sports 1 was launching. They said they're probably going to bring their own people. And I said, okay, well, I don't care what I do. I want to work for you in some capacity. And they're like, well, what about features? I said, that's my forte. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Here's the thing about, did you ever envision sports would be as big as it is now? It's, it's oh, huge. it's it's its own monster it's now. It's it's its own monster, right. like NASCAR. Right. It's unbelievable, right. huge. Which and every sports is every sports is a monster. Yeah, absolutely. Hockey, soccer, Hockey, everything. Trucks. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. And uh, what's the other one that's coming big? Um, with the stick with the net. lacrosse. Lacrosse is going to be huge. Yep. Tennis, soccer. Everything. Just, everything is this big. They're going to have their own network. I'm trying to work for every single network. <laughs> That's my goal. That's my that's my serious goal. Um, but the the problem with that is you go to local news and you have so much, you know, fires, murder, everything. So it's kind of nice to have the job yeah, that so you isn't. always say lead if it's bloody lead with it or something like that. I, I get ew. If gross. it bleeds, you lead. No, if it bleeds, sure. it leads. Yeah, yeah that's, that's the old saying. Yes, that that's is the old saying. Yeah. Um, but with sports, because of that, it kind of takes a back seat. And how many people do you know watch the local news for sports? Exactly, because it's a, it's a dying thing because it's put at the end of the newscast and you have ESPN, you have things on your phone, you yeah. have Twitter. You don't wait for the 6 o'clock news you unless it's a local story. story. Right. Yeah, it's a local story. Unless right. it's a local like, hey, my kid or hey, my friends, mm-hmm. then you watch it. Yeah. But again, you can also find that online. Yeah. So it makes it kind of difficult, which is why I'm happy to be with the Panthers. That what a great it was. That's a what a great season. They yeah, had, they had one of the best. That's why, you know, everybody's depressed about it. But yeah. I think you couldn't have had a better season. Yeah, it was great. And, yeah, uh, man, to what was the fourteen and 0, 13 and one, or was it? They were fifteen and one. Fifteen and one. Yeah, and went all the way to the Super Bowl. Yeah, well, it ended up being uh, a fifteen and, and one regular right. season. Yeah, yeah, I'm seventeen and two. Almost. And it, not yeah, only that, it did a lot for the city. It, I mean, oh, it yeah. had so many people coming mm-hmm. here and buying right. Panthers gear. So and it much. really encouraged the hate for the Denver Broncos too. <laughs> <laughs> It's, it's done wonders for the city. For the hate for the dinner. <laughs> Just saying. Yeah, but uh, well, so anyway, I've been here. Last night was my first night. Yeah, and you're here Friday, Saturday. Friday and Saturday, two shows a night, two tomorrow night, and it's been great. And great. Well, uh, come out and see it. Come you check gotta, it out. Yeah, definitely. I'll do some song parodies, but I, I'll do, I'm doing some songs that Tom will not allow me to sing on the air. So oh, so are, it's exclusive. These are very, these are grown-up songs. Um, yeah, this, I have a song. So called, don't bring your kids to the show. I don't think kids should be allowed to see what I do. No, right. I have, a, I have a song called "Shut the Fuck Up," which is not getting. A which lot is of my air, favorite. Not getting a lot of airplay right now. You know, I feel like <laughs> if "Bitch Better Have My Money" is on the air, then why isn't your song? There's a guy named. Uh, oh, think of his name, uh, uh, Greg. Greg Robinson. He has a song so called "Bitch Where You Been." Where you been, bitch? Yeah. Bitch, where you been? It's the funniest song I've ever seen in my life. So, uh, and that one, I don't know. <laughs> Shocking. <laughs> I feel like that's normally left on my voicemail, but I haven't heard this that song. That was a great ringtone. Yeah. Bitch, where you been? Yeah. Bitch, where you been? I would be offending the poor old ladies in the in the grocery store. Just offended by me completely. Well, thank you guys for having me. Well, thanks I'm for so coming tired. in. I'm so tired. I hate to be like a. No, we're we're gonna let you go Downer, get some sleep before I'm, the show I'm, tonight, yeah, and. We, there's tickets. 
Yep. Get them uh, early. Yep. Uh, CLTComedyZone.com or uh, you can call the Comedy Zone box office at 980-321-4702. Shows uh, tonight, uh, Friday night, March 4th, Saturday night, March 5th. Two shows each night. Uh, what is that? 7, 7.30 and 10.30? Uh, they're different each night. Yeah. Call okay. the box office for uh, specific times. I don't call know the box off the top of my office. head. Call, call the box. Speak yes. to the box. That's, <laughs> I tell people box. that all the time. Where can we find you on social media? <laughs> Like I just breeze over that. J Spot Comedy Club. If you're ever in the Los Angeles area, please stop at the J Spot Comedy Club located at 5581 West Manchester Avenue. And you can download the J. Anthony Brown Radio Show. It's a weekend countdown show. Just go to uh, iHeartRadio and you can check it out. Or you can go to iTunes or is it Spotify? Or yeah, Spotify. It's on Spotify also. So check it out. Are you on? Are you on the Twitter? I'm. I'm, I'm with the Twitter. I'm What's your the, Twitter handle? Uh, uh, J Spot Comedy. Or okay. J. Anthony Brown, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm well, that'll be easy enough. And I'm on the Book of Face. Oh, so. the Book of... Well, <laughs> what's your fan page? Because I don't think you're giving out your personal page. <laughs> JAnthonyBrown.com. Uh, uh, J-Spot Comedy. J-Spot okay. Comedy Club, yeah. You All can right. find me there. Well, then I'll be finding you. Thank and you we'll, so much, guys, for yeah. having me. This we'll, has been a we'll blast. We'll see you tonight. Yeah, and make sure you tell Arsenio I said, hey. I will. Yeah, I will, guy. for sure. Very nice guy. Very nice. Tell him all the bad things you had to say about <laughs> All right, we'll be right back. I'm trying to have fun, but it's hard for a post. So I'm leaving, getting a lady gonna smoke until I choke. You know it's hot out here for a post. Y'all know about it. When you in that bad, I it ain't no charge. I'm gonna tell you about it. This is very sexual sounding music, for the record. Is it? Yeah. It sounds like a, a porno to me. Not that I watch porn. It's interesting. Which I would I would totally admit if I did, but I don't. Right. I just make it. But I don't, it's, <laughs> I don't watch it. Uh, you, <laughs> let me tell you a little secret about this, this uh, I don't particular know. track. That's ominous. Sure. It's, it's just a random percussion on GarageBand. Huh. There's no big, deep, dark secret to huh. it. It's just... I just hit a randomizer button and. Well, I'm that's exactly what I use in my here. homemade stuff, so <laughs> that makes sense. Excellent. Yeah. I told you it was porny. So we do have something in common. Yeah. Um, we have nothing to promote here. Just. Um, just we ended you... up with an extra segment, so right. here we are. Yeah. An extra segment because that's how great the show was today. That's right. Uh, the Barry Crimmins interview coming up next. We talked about that already. And we miss Will. Yeah, Will's not here. He's in Jacksonville, Florida. Damn him. He's working on his stand. But uh, cltcomedyzone.com, check out all the dates and uh, details, shows that are coming up and whatnot. And, and retweet, tell your friends. Yeah, and then um, we'll go ahead and get back with, to the show. Yeah. All right. All right, welcome back. That was that was great having him. That was awesome. That was yeah. awesome. We don't normally do two segments. Yeah, no, but it called for it. Yeah. It did. Yeah, that was cool. And that was great. And then you're about to hear another great part, which is part two of the Barry Crimmins interview. Now, help me out with this, because I haven't gotten to hear part two. Yes. I heard part one, and if you haven't, and you're listening right now, it is still available on last week's podcast. A very interesting... I mean, it's funny, but there are, you really get to know his backstory, yeah, which uh, isn't all rainbows and sunshine. It is It is not rainbows. Actually, quite the opposite. And uh, sunshine. Barry Crimmins uh, is... Uh, a, a comedy legend. He, he he helped launch the career of literally dozens of comics out of the Boston area. So guys like uh, Bobcat Goldthwait, Dennis Leary. Um, Huge uh, names. Yeah. If you think of a Boston-based comic over the last 20 years, Barry Crimmins had something to do with his career. Kevin Meany, 
just the list goes on and on. Um, he's the subject of a documentary called Call Me Lucky, um, which you can find on uh, Netflix right now, uh, directed by uh, his friend Bobcat Goldthwait. Um, it's a great film. Um, um, I highly recommend that you see it. Now, some of the and things... And it's based on him. It's based on his life. Okay. Uh, he was um, uh, he was abused as a child by mm-hmm. a friend of the family, the babysitter. Okay, um, actually a friend of uh, the babysitter. Um, so he was he was um, and he talks about it in, in in no you know uncertain terms. He was he was raped by the babysitter's friend when right. he went when he was about four years old. Man, we were doing so well, and now we've just gone. Yeah, now we've yeah, it's yeah. not quite but it, funny anymore. But it, it it's all part of his life. He's a fascinating guy. Yeah, sure. Um, and uh, if you haven't heard part one of the interview, go on and go back yeah. to uh, last week's show. It's in the third segment. There's about 40 minutes of the interview from last week. There's about another 50 minutes of tonight. We spent about 90 minutes with him. And, and if you keep in mind, a lot of comics have kind of this dark and stormy background, yeah. but it's how they came out. So if you're ever wondering wow, I wonder what this guy has went through to be here. I wonder what makes him tick. This is the perfect type of interview to listen to. Yeah. He's a, he's a, I mean, he's a fascinating guy. He's been able to spin uh, what happened. He's the, he's the absolute definition of a survivor. He's been able to spin, you know, what happened to him into positive things. He's done some very positive things. Um, You're going to, and then he did our show. So, you know, it's not so positive, but (laughs) it can't all be rainbows (laughs) and, and, and sunshine uh he he i mean where this um part two of the interview starts is when he took on aol in the early days of the internet um it was um really the wild wild west no one quite knew how to handle it and in the wild wild web web. (laughs) and in a lot of aol's uh, chat rooms there was a lot of child pornography being exchanged yeah and, a lot of Chris Hansen material. And um, Barry Crimmins um, took on AOL. Sure. And um, actually um, got them to kind of shut down because AOL at the time, you paid uh, AOL for how much time you spent online. And so if a person was uploading a photo, no matter what that photo was, they AOL were paying was profiting. AOL, exactly. They were paying AOL more money. So AOL was quite literally profiting from child porn, from child pornography, and other and, terrible things. Yes. And uh, Barry Crimmins took them on. Um, it went all the way to Capitol Hill. And wow. It's a um, it's a fascinating story. So that's where uh, the second half of the interview with Barry Crimmins picks up. All right, and then we will see you next week after the St. Patty's Day shenanigans that we'll be previewing. Yes, <laughs> that's right. Previewing uh, next week, uh, Brian Posehn okay. on the show and my birthday. And Will will be back. Um, in theory, Will will be back next week. In theory, and then we'll be celebrating a certain tall somebody who produces the show's birthday. That's right. That's right. That's right. I don't know who it is. Who are you talking about? It's a secret. <laughs> Anyways, uh, check this interview out and we will see you next week. AOL. Yep. You, I, I want to fast forward to, to sure. that a little bit. You ended up going into chat rooms. AOL, well, I, well, what right? I did was originally I was looking for, you know, abuse survivors to talk to. Doing exactly what I was talking about, which veterans should do or whatever, is people to just talk, you know, get it out. And I start meeting these people on AOL, and they start telling me, well, you see what's going on in this other, in these chat rooms. And so I 
I looked around and I was looking at the public chat rooms and then I found the member created chat rooms and it was anyone who just read the list of these names knew exactly what was going on. Dads and daughters, but you know, you know, XXXX kid picks, you know, I mean, hundreds of names like that with so many, you know, with, with like, uh, you know, a couple hundred people in every one of these rooms and, and a couple hundred, a lot. Of, yeah. I mean, like there were thousands and thousands of, and they're all now and, and the modems are slow and they're uploading child pornography to one another. And it's a half an hour to upload one crappy picture or an hour. Okay. So that's $4 a picture times every picture or, or two to $4 a picture for every picture they're transmitting. Cause it was they like profit wood, off of wood burnt. They were profiteering. Like there was no tomorrow and playing it dumb with me. When I first I approached them, I go, I don't know if you know what's going on on your service here. And then um, quickly I caught on that they were just stalling. And I just said, I'm coming in. I, I call my shot. I'm coming after you. And I ended up testifying in front of the Senate judiciary committee in Washington in July of 95, uh, and and they, uh, man, they uh, dinosaurs uh, technologically, right? Oh yeah, oh, oh no, and, uh, yeah, all, all, all the senators are bra- bragging about how they don't know what we're talking about. No, it's just like, okay, great, you know, right. that's that's exactly who I need. Could you bring someone in who could understand what I'm saying? But so anyway, you know, the AOL guy comes in and he takes me lightly. Which I think, if you saw the movie, oh yeah, oh, yeah. I he saw took, that part. Yeah, slick back hair, yeah, yeah, thousand dollars suit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna wipe the floor with this guy. Yeah, yeah, and it's like, nah, I'm a nightclub comic. Yeah. I've dealt with hecklers before. Well, it's funny, but, but here's the thing: they gave him my testimony in advance. So someone in the U.S. Senate, involved with the U.S. Senator, said, "Hey." We got a donation from AOL, even though we've seen this story, and we know this guy is, is, is David and AOL's Goliath, and he, David is trying to protect children mm-hmm. uh, against a serious danger. We're going to hand his t- – but the thing is, my testimony was just the letters I'd written to AOL that they didn't have a damn answer for in the first place. So I still was – you know, I mean, that was a – when you see him at the end where he says the three strikes and you're out thing. Oh, my goodness. He, he's he got that thousand-yard stare. That that was an hour of just like, no, no, uh-uh, right. no, I, no, I'm not going to let you say that. No, no, I'm not going to say – here's what the story – you know, like, well, what about child prote- – what about parental protection software? Well, you see, sometimes the parents are the rapists. Up until mm. that point, that can be fine. But if the parents are raping the kids, it kind of doesn't, you know, it's not a real effective device. Now, what you talk in real detail about some of the things you saw oh, well, in these chat rooms. Detail, and believe you, me. you said that, well, in some detail, you said you could see the humanity, the right, childhood right, right. leaving. You see this picture, like, you can almost see, like, the, the I mean, I, there was a very famous picture of a, a, a very famous combat photo of a of a Palestinian guy carrying his daughter who's limp, clearly dead, and you can kind of see he's still running. Like if I get her to the right place, maybe I can save her. But then you see the eyes, and you realize, but it's soaking in that she's dead, and you can just see. Now this is a guy who might strap a bomb to himself and walk into the village square. You know, you 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 know. Again, you go back to having context for people, you know, and figure out where they where they are. And I forgot the earlier part because I have a compartmentalized memory because you might have seen the movie. <laughs> oh, the AOL stuff, yeah. yeah. So the same thing, the photos of the kids. You know, I you see the kids, and the, the eyes are almost starting to roll into their head, and they're just they're they're just as disassociated as they can be to survive because they can't. They can't deal with everything that's happening to them now. And what what's going to happen, if they're like me, is what they 
are keeping themselves from feeling, then they're going to feel someday if they're lucky and they do catch on that you got to go through things and not around them. And in my case, basically the way I put it is I wrestled every wolf man that knocked at the door for two years till they got tired of coming. And then I was able to get out and do some stuff on behalf of some other people. And that, do you now, do you rec, not necessarily recommend, but I always like, for example, when I, when we talk about gun violence, yeah. I'm like, everybody should see a video of somebody's head being right. blown yeah, off yeah. before you say, right. Everybody should have oh, a gun. Oh, oh, well, you know, I understand. Well, the, what I say about child pornography is I wish everyone could see it. I wish no one could see it. But there's nothing to snicker about. You know, you shouldn't call it kiddie porn. That sounds like the bunny hill or something. That might fit on, a, yeah, fit on a tabloid headline. But it's, you know, kiddie porn is like, that's like, you know, that's glossing it way too. You know, what it is is photographic evidence of heinous child, heinous human rights offenses against children is what it is. And, and if you've seen it and I have, you know, you're not the same, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to see, but people in the movie, they're very nice. And they're saying, Oh, we're so worried about Barry doing that investigation. Whatever. So you would have had it when, you know, when you should have worried about me is if I didn't do it, if I just stumbled into that one, Oh, I can't oh, let that go. You know, then I got to walk away and live with myself while I know what was going on there. You know, no, I mean, I, I would rather live with the world's risk, the world's disdain than be guaranteed in my own self-loathing. I'll tell you that. So I couldn't know about what was going on there and not stop and stop stop before something was done about it. stop until other people caught on stop until people understood that this new, that they'd found this new channel for you know this new method of uh, it was really scary because you know pedophiles never used to have like support group kind of thing now you can go into a chat room and you got a bunch of people and they're all you're watching them fortify one another with these asinine the rationalizations, the NAMBLA take. Well, you know, the the kids are really, they're really in charge. They have the power here. That's what they, yeah, I mean, literally, that's because, you know, NAMBLA publishes, North American Man Boy Love mm-hmm. Association publishes, publishes this this journal or did. And I so I studied it. Now, of course, while I'm doing that, you know, I'm studying and I'm reading their their you know philosophy quote unquote their horseshit and and of course i've got six copies of it on my my dining room table and now the cable guy shows up and you go <laughs> now no, you you look- under i no really you don't understand you sound like every other asshole in the world who gets caught going like oh i was doing an investigation but i know i actually was doing an investigation you know now we can prove it but i mean but the but the quote unquote they call it a philosophy but basically it's just oh it's the child's idea it's like yeah, oh. shut up now the great irony here though and it, this struck me when watching the film too you're sitting there in front of the senate judiciary committee a an entity as a whole the government yeah. you largely despise yeah oh i know i'm about something you I've shit on these guys for a living there they are strom thurmond there you are because they're consoling children and children and the young people at tomorrow and Thurman, I'm trying not to laugh because, you know, I mean, I'm, it's so serious what I'm doing. But, the, you know, like Thurman doesn't have AIDS. He has like spotters. Watch the hip, you know, because the hip goes, he's done and they lose, a, they could lose a boat. So, yeah. He, he, and Poyton. And everyone, one after the next, just bragged about, oh, I'm what you might call computer <laughs> illiterate. And they laugh at the term. Like, like even in 1995, it was a trite term. And, and only in, with computers that people, I'm computer, like, I don't need to know how to, you know, repair a microwave oven to heat up a cup of coffee. You right. know, I mean, you know, like if the computer, if it doesn't work, it's, you know, okay, it's some help or whatever. But, I mean, I I use Macs. I don't want to promote them, although this oh. week, maybe. <laughs> 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 
you know, because it's, we got to get to the bottom of what this nut in San Bernardino was saying. You know, I got a pretty good picture. You know, and right. I, if you can't flesh that one out, you're in the wrong uh, business officer, you know. But even that was, I mean, even the senators laughing and stuff. It's like, how do you have that kind of levity with the backdrop of why we're here? Well, yeah, yeah. That, that well, I mean, really the backdrop, and people forget this, but the real backdrop of why we were there was because uh, they were concerned about like 16-year-old boys seeing the Playmate of the Month. Not, and I got there and I go, they, you would have heard the word child and you would have heard the word pornography, but you wouldn't have heard them in a row mm. until I got there. And so that's, but that became what the hearing was. That's what that for. was about. And you came yeah, in. Yeah, and I just go like, and brought that well, to no, well, they knew about that part too. I mean, they go, well, this guy says this is going on. And they were sort of like, maybe it'd be interesting to bring him in. And it's like suddenly like, Everybody got the, like insto perspective. Oh, kids are being raped, and it's not oh. like it's not like a sixteen-year-old boy interested in right. breasts. While you know? AOL is talking about a three strikes policy, yeah, I couldn't oh, believe oh, that. Yeah, 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 I'm yeah. like, that can't be. Yeah, no. That way, at that moment when he said that, it was just like dundo. I wanted kettle drums, dundo and dundo and dundo and la la, marching in place, singing Gordon McRae songs. This is my country, dundo and dundo and dundo and la la. There you go. This is who I've been dealing with for the past several months. Yes, a strict three strikes and you're out policy concerning the rape of children. Well, Good you, you God. won't find any four-time child rapists on our service. Not on our service. No, and you can trust us at that. No four-time child rapists that we have caught, anyway. Oh, my goodness. Dun-dun, dun-dun. Could you feel that that's where it kind of turned? And that's yeah, where oh, it, that was the end. Was that it? Yeah, yeah. He had, it was like, then it turned into the cartoon. He had, like, axes over his yeah. eyes, and, and his whole his clothes were all blown up, just shreds. Oh, because I, 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 like I used to work at a major firm, so I know what it looks like when a lawyer knows he's losing. Yeah. And I saw that. I'm like, oh, okay. This is. It's over. This is the shift. He's yeah, not. That guy, that. That, that guy doesn't. That guy doesn't practice law anymore. No? No, I'd like to think I helped. (laughs) (laughs) I think you you did, too. So could you talk a little bit about the And I'm kind enough not to mention his name. I know it. Uh, Oh, well, could you uh, talk a little bit about your sister? Because they talk about her in the movie and how she discovered what was happening. Yeah, she walked. She she came in the house. She'd been outside playing, and she came in the house. and she couldn't, she couldn't find it. Then she heard some noise from the basement, and she opened the door and came down the stairs and saw me, you know, getting uh, raped by this guy. And uh, I was close to going. I mean, like the thing with this thing was like to keep me quiet. I would get my face shoved into the couch cushion, and I was passing out. So I mean, this person every time they did it was risking murdering me. That's how crazy some of these. That's how dangerous they. So. And that's why I say, call me lucky. I lived, and I could tell the story, and, and, and I can stand up for other people. I'm going to talk about some people who didn't live. Yeah. Um, but my sister saw that, and she realized she had to get help from me. She got almost to the bottom of the stairs, and she didn't exactly know what this was, but she runs for the top of the stairs, and the and the, the, the rapist signals the babysitter to get her. She just kind of, the thing that stayed in my mind my whole life was Mary Jo getting her foot caught in this hand of this babysitter almost at the top of the stairs pulled her back down and then she was taken off and I didn't I didn't hear it but because of that and then they took Mary Jo and put her in her room and whatever and then when my parents came home they told her Mary Jo was very bad she's just crazy and uh, and and, it, and it, you know and it sort of worked uh but my but my parents you know 
said, well, we're not going to get that babysitter again. I don't know what was going on. We're not getting that babysitter anymore. So that was the end. They no longer had access. And that very well may have said that in and of itself may have saved my life. And Mary Jo's had to live with it. And as I say in the movie, you know, it's a profound offense against her. It's a profound offense for someone to witness this. Right. You know? So uh, so did folks at the time just not think of going to the well, police? Well, they didn't know. Was... And they didn't know. I mean, they still didn't know. You know, I mean, people... It was so out of the realm of anything anyone would think about or discuss. You know, I think my old man would have gone to the police in a heartbeat had he realized. Because sometimes later in in my childhood, he warned me about, you know, if you get a weird coach or something, you can always, you know, like he he actually is probably ahead of the time. So that stuff. But he had seatbelts in the cars in the 50s, which the kind you strap on. They're actually more dangerous than not having them on. It only takes six minutes to take this seatbelt off. <clears throat> so he was, but he is a war guy. We, I mean, he had PTSD from the war, so we kind of grew up together with PTSD. Wow. <laughs> yeah. But, um, and a, a decorated combat vet, you know, um. I'm sorry. What I no, no. What I was so, talking. So, then the, <laughs> oh, so, then. so Mary Jo. So Mary Jo saved. I mean, she saved my life. And and we've all. And the thing about her is, my whole life, she's always sort of, even to this day, she kind of hovers around. She'll be at my house, and I'll be, you know, walking out you know, outside, and you know, I'll, and I'll watch for it, like, because I won't let her know I'm going to go do something with the chainsaw or something, you know, because because she'll just have this. She won't do anything, but she'll have this panicked look on her face, because, you know, I mean, you know, she she saved my life once. She probably. You know, it's the it's the Native American thing. She feels responsible for me now. And she was at she was five years old at the time, right? She was actually a little older, a little than, older that, than that. But but uh, you but, were four, correct? Yeah, and yeah. Here's the thing: they were, you know, she was probably she might have been six or seven. But the, the thing is, uh, another witness came forward who wouldn't have been there when I was quite that young. And, and, and her corroborating points were like, clearly she knew the story, whatever. But the idea of even getting into those details anymore is to me, just like that, that prove it part of it. It's just like, look, it happened. And, mm-hmm. you know, and, and small children's memories, they're guessing what age everybody, like everybody asked me how old the perpetrator was. I don't know when you're four, he's, he was a big guy, you know, right. everybody's a bit, I mean, I, you know, I was, I don't know. I made eye contact with his knees. What do you want? Right. So, uh, but she, you know, she was, she stood right up with my parents. And even though that, and she just said they were mean to Barry, you know, they were hurting Barry. And, and, uh, um, and, 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 you know, and then you, then you go back and you're dealing with these accomplished liars. Pedophiles are the biggest con artists in the world. They're the biggest con artists. I'm repeating myself. Now I'm turning into Donald Trump. I'm turning into Donald Trump. I'm saying everything twice. I'm saying everything twice. Me. It was great. It was great. I'm Because I don't have anything to say. I don't have anything to say. So if I say it twice, if I say it twice, I eat up a little more time. I eat up a little more time, and then I can get away from here, and then I can get away from here and just leave words like unbelievable and just leave words like unbelievable with you, with you, and so that you think you actually saw somebody you think you actually saw somebody say something say something magic trick that's my donald trump <laughs> not close in, in one way but i've got his i got his scam now. <laughs> now that that guy ended up dying in prison correct yeah, yeah he died in prison and and what i wanted to do i tried to find out from new york state what happened eventually we did mm-hmm. he was he died in prison in uh, new york and no one claimed his body and then someone, some friendly person within the state of New York, 
got me the file and whatever, and this guy had been uh, he'd taken out of an abusive home, you know, older than me, you know, and, and way older than me, and and then went through the foster system, abused again and again, and so that and so that was the gift of that system to me, and so I wanted to find the guy's grave to put flowers on it, not out of love for that guy, but to show that I didn't become him. You know, here I am. I'm not going to piss on your grave. Here's some flowers. I didn't become you. Call me lucky. You know? Wow. Now, the, the amazing, the the part of it that I was watching, because you talk about the Catholic priest. Neary, oh, oh right? Neary, yeah, yeah. And you talk about, but you talk in the movie about him, like, wishing he would burn in hell. Well, you and then, know, and that, then you that, talk that, about flowers no, in but, relation. But, no, but that day, but that day. But you understand that they're shooting a bunch of different stuff. And that okay. day. I was very emotional because I'm looking at that church and I'm thinking about mm. dead friends committed suicide because of this priest. Uh, and so, you know, I was pissed and I said it, but uh, whatever. And, and it also was a little play with the, you know, the, the threats. The church is based on fear and real estate, you know, basically. And, and so... Uh, it was sort of about, you know, you're, you're the ones who sold me hell or whatever. Well, if there is one, I hope they triple the time of it for now, you know. And, and But that guy was so evil. What was he doing? He what were some the, of the things he was doing? Because you talked. Well, well, this guy, okay, first off, uh, I lived near the church, and it snowed all the time in, in upstate New York a lot, you know, like. That's where the accent comes from. 193 inches of snow. I just sat in my house and work on my alcoholism until I can get the door open again. You know, so that's there's the, you know in upstate New York. All we have are prisons and WalMarts. You know, that's how you give directions. The third medium security woman's facility on your right, and then the fifth superstore. You go down right through the lights there, and I'll meet you at the scene of the total economic collapse. But one thing, I as dumb as we are, we did get rid of the Mormons almost immediately. <laughs> Let me get this straight. No beers and extra wives? Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> so, I'm oh, sorry. <laughs> so you, so yeah, you, you, keep you, me on the case, you, you even, you, but you, I mean, you talked about how this guy would tell kids about the sacrament. Oh, oh, oh yeah, no, yeah, let me tell you about and that's when this stuff goes to say, I always drift off. What was I talking about? It's a compartmentalized memory. It's a very natural thing that happens to you. But um, Nary, so I got stuck serving mass all the time. And then the kind of the word got out on Nary. But my, I don't know, for whatever reasons, my parents, you know, just to, every every week, the, uh, the phone would ring on Monday. I mean, I was scheduled for a week of masses, early morning masses, weekday masses. I would be scheduled as an altar boy one a month. And then every other, uh, the other three weeks, the phone would ring at 5.15 on Monday morning. Oh, the Riley boys have the flu. and they can't, Can Barry serve this? We might as well just have him do the, oh, my, and of course I'd hear my mother going, fine. And I was like, get up. And they, you know, and then I go. <laughs> and, and so I serve mass almost every day. Because everybody's making excuses not to go near this monster. But I, I, you know, and I was, a, you know, I'm not a quitter. That's one thing. I mean, ask AOL, you know. <laughs> um, I'm not a quitter. So, uh, yeah, ask Philip Morris. But anyway, um, so I, uh, I worked so hard yeah, serving Mass and being a good boy, you know, shoveling the walk, 
doing it, you know. And every morning, this guy, Neri, well, first off, the first couple of times I dealt with him, he started giving me the shoulder rub, and I just hit him. And I realized now, I hit him with an elbow, and I just realized now that it was, it was just me saying, you got to kill me this time, motherfucker. You got to kill me. You got to kill me before. I, now I'm 10 or 11 years old. You got to kill. I mean, it's going to be a fight of some sort. You know, I'll, I'll take a chunk out of you at this point. Yeah. But that's even still subconscious. But I just knew nobody else is doing that to me. So he tried it a couple of times, tried to get me in his car a couple of times, failed. Then he's frustrated. So now, now every day I'm there, the pond isn't stuck. So he hates me. So I would arrive, and he'd be sitting in the sacristy bathed in the, the colored light coming through the stained glass window, and he would just say something malicious to me, and I would go out and do Then we go out on the altar, and he would just belittle me, and he literally would, on a regular basis, tell the, the, the assembled people that I was going to hell. Uh, you know, he, But he couldn't drive me off. So finally, wow. years pass, and... And I'm watching the, the news from New York. And now Dolan, the guy from Milwaukee, has moved to New York. And it's Palm Sunday. And he decides it's time to tell the audience that the real victim of this, this whole abuse scandal is the poor Pope, Pope Benedict Ratzinger. You know, that what has happened to this saintly man? The guy to whom... For 20 years, they brought the diplomatic diplomatic pouches because the church has diplomatic immunity because it's considered a nation because of the deal they made with, ding, 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 Mussolini. Okay, <laughs> just another thing the fascists brought us, the Catholic churches. And so, you know, and he obviously he became pope because he just said, well, I've been able to keep a lid on this for this long, but if a new guy comes in, I don't, hey, how about if we make you, well, you know, that could work. Then he got too pooped to Pope, and they brought in the guy whose job it is to change the subject and not the church, whose, whose PR guy is a guy named Greg Burke, who's a member of Opus Dei and a, and, and a former Fox, the, the former Fox News correspondent to the Vatican. And this is selling us the progressive Pope who sent his emissaries to uh, Geneva to tell a U.N. hearing that child rape isn't torture. And then he went on to tell us how courageous the Catholic bishops in the United States have been about the abuse crisis. I'm sorry, I've lost my train. That's no, no. no. So now we're going back to Neri. So, so, that, so you know, Dolan says, oh, the poor Pope. And, and then they come out and the congregation says, I mean, you know, they start interviewing a bunch of people from it's about times, and it's, it's that sort of warbly, you know, emotionally manipulative Catholic ladies, you know, in a Catholic, uh, you know, uh, holy name society, warbly voice meant to manipulate you. And you hear a lot of it around Boston and New York, and they, they sound kind of like this. And it's like, well, you know, the poor church, and uh, oh, the Pope, it's about time someone stuck up for the poor Pope. And I'm so glad to hear that. And I'm thinking, these are the same kind of people who sat there and watched this guy emotionally and verbally abused me on an altar every morning and didn't do a thing about it in the process emboldening him to commit acts that led to suicides of my friends at that point from that point on and that's when you know that's exactly what i was thinking when i said you know three sentences of eternity right you know and uh but he would rape kids and make them say confession afterwards which is just another obvious way to make the kid feel complicit. Uh, but then the Bishop of Syracuse, in a hearing from my friend Dennis Brennan's case, 
and uh, against Neri. And it was it started with Neri, and then the church misled him. Oh, we want to put you oh, treatment and whatever. And basically, the way I understand it was, you know, they sent him to therapists who were just completely spies for the church and whatever. And they they really did a number on him, and he sued him on that stuff. And I mean, and they wanted to settle because, among other things, I was on the list of. <laughs> Oh, they saw. <laughs> they that, saw right? I was coming, <laughs> uh, and this guy Charlie Bailey. So he's got to quit. <laughs> so, so he, uh, so, so uh, this guy says in Dennis's in one of the pretrial hearings, he says, "Well, you, you know, you have to consider there's some culpability on the boys' part. Otherwise, they wouldn't have said the holy sacrament of confession. No one in the world bought Nary's cheap out." except for the sitting Bishop Cunningham oh of Syracuse, the Diocese of Syracuse, who should be sent, who should get the Cardinal Law Memorial Scholarship to the Vatican and stay there, you know, if, uh, if not put in jail. So, uh, uh, and, and what he would do is he would, he would orally rape a boy and say, you have to swallow every drop because I'm God's, I'm God's emissary on earth, and 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 so my seed is sacred like the Eucharist. Oh my goodness. Don't spill any on the ground. That's how evil he was. And then he would anally rape a boy and pray very loudly because often the mother would be downstairs. He would go, Well, we're gonna go up to his bedroom. This is where he's going to spend his time. If he has a vocation for the priesthood, we're gonna go over some stuff. And it's very tough. You may hear some stuff that sounds awful. But that's what he has to go through if he truly has a vocation. Oh but goodness. you stay down here and say the rosary while I do that. And then on the way out the door, fucking take 10 or $20 from the lady for the instructions. Okay? So he can mm. go out and get hammered that night. And then I'm facing the hungover rapist in the morning with the malevolent stare. And then the people in the, you know, in the church don't stick up for me at all. Until finally one guy did stick up for me, but... Oh, not in the church or not with the church, but he just said, I'm a terrible Catholic. I've watched this go on for years. It was Mr. Talbot. He ran the uh, the uh, 5 and 10 store in my town. And he and then he goes down to tell my parents what happened. And then after that, it was sort of, <coughs> you know, I hadn't, I just figured because I was a self-loathing, because kids, kids who are untreated victims of abuse become self-loathing. And it can happen to entire communities. It can happen to it's nations, cities, you know. Um, and uh, I, you know, you feel terrible. No one tells you that what happened to you is wrong and that you're in somebody else, some pain that's not really yours. And so you start off by thinking something's wrong and then you switch and you go to the point where you think something's wrong with me. Mm. And now the self, now you your bad behavior or whatever just corroborates the self-loathing and it's down the down the chute we we go and so uh it's like that movie goodwill hunting almost at yeah. the end where robin williams tells uh i think it's matt damon yeah yeah it's not your fault yeah and he keeps saying that to him yeah and at the time i you know i'm just watching a movie but now learning more and hearing yeah. from you yeah. i understand that that is a breakthrough in a way for a person yeah that's been it's not this, your fault yeah, and, and robin Imagine that Robin. I think Robin heard that line because he, he put down the original money to make Call Me Lucky. So wow, yeah, I didn't know that really. Yeah, yeah, it's Bob's best friend. I mean, while we were, I mean, we did the movie in under Bob did the movie in under a year. We were from we started in February with Sundance in January, and in between we got hit with the comet of 
Robin's death, which was emphatically explicable, and everybody else had all these other agendas, and they put into it, and, and, you know, I was disgusted how many of my contemporaries talked to the media about stuff that was just conjecture and crap. They called me up because they knew I'm close to Bob, and, you know, they some people knew Robin had something to do with the movie, and I knew Robin since 77, and... When they called me up to ask about it, I said, I have, I have one thing to say, and it's off the record. No comment. <laughs> Don't you want something about you saying about Robin? And You know, I think if they, you know, there's plenty of superlative things to say about Robin. They don't need me to do it. You know, they don't need me to do it. I don't need to horn in now. You know, it's this is this is bad enough, you know, without me trying to. You know, I, you know, I gained enough by knowing the guy. I don't need to. <laughs> Yeah, right, I don't need to do this. Milk is noble corpse, but but what what happened there was just was medical. His brain was attacked, right. you know, and perhaps the the medication they use exacerbated things. And you know, we understand that now. Uh, and they basically the you know the autopsy and whatever said that. And all these people, and it came out between when he died, and then the autopsy came out, and then the year in review thing came, and the year in review it all reverted back to everybody's theory. In August, rather than what the what the coroner said a while later. I mean, it's just it we was, do a terrible uh, job uh, of discussing uh, mental health. And, yeah, and, and well, and I mean, in this case, it was like literally like he got brain fever for for all intents and purposes. But Bob went through that, and the one thing I knew, Bobcat went through that, and the one thing I knew was. I hoped, and I sort of knew, was he is such a hard worker. He works so hard. He is the quintessential independent filmmaker because when he makes a film, he gets the money together himself. Studios want him to do stuff because he's such a good director. He wants the autonomy. He wants his vision realized, and so he sticks to it. And he works so extra hard because not only is he making the film, but he's making the money to make the film. So he's directing TV shows. He's he's touring. He's doing whatever. The guy goes round the clock. He works so hard for his autonomy, for his art. I'm so uh, I'm I'm you know so so proud uh, to know him. But you know, in the middle of that. The process with our film, Robin died, and we believe me, Bob was telling me Bob was in close touch with the family because it was like pretty quickly Robin just went from being Robin to not being Robin, and and so uh, uh, you know Bob was getting updated all the time and talking to Robin and remaining in touch with him as much as he could, and really worried and still making the film, like that was really. You know, like right when my sister was interviewed was about a week before, and 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 the day uh, he interviewed Cindy Sheehan in uh, in L.A. was the day that it happened. Wow! And, and I wasn't out there that day, and Bob sent me a, a text, and I knew that this had happened, and knowing what's going to happen with this cult of personality. So knowing this like wall of this dam of shit was going to burst and splatter all over everybody. It was, a, it was a very, well, first off, I mean, it would, it would have felt weirder or and worse if I hadn't already, you know, been going into my own grief, but it's, uh, he, but Bob got up from that. I, 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 and I just knew how hard he works. I figured the one lifeline he would find would be get and damned if he didn't have that movie ready for some Sundance. Wow. Uh, and damned if he didn't put a movie together that was accepted as Sundance as one of the 16 documentaries in consideration. Wow. But our movie isn't like Spotlight or some of these other films about you. Spotlight is the, the movie that's, it's a great movie, mm-hmm. 
but it's like the movie about South Africa where the white people are catching on. <laughs> <laughs> that apartheid. <laughs> Spotlight is in the townships, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> now, when they first approached you about doing this, were you immediately on board yes, or yeah, was there? Yeah, no problem. Yeah. Bob and the Robin backup, sure. They're and, not going to do anything. And then the final scene, or one of the final scenes of the movie, you go down. Yeah, in the basement. Into the basement. When oh, and that's, and they torture Goldthwait about that. Mm-hmm. You know, like like he had a cattle prod on me. And I said, I'm not going to come here and walk up to that door and turn around and give it that kind of power. I thought about this place forever. So I walk into the basement. But it was, Bob argued with Bob's going, don't do it. Every time it was a choice between what he thought was my well-being and the film and what would be easier, make, a, make the film stronger. Bob always sided with me, and I generally sided with the film. But so I went in, and I'm glad that I did. And I think it's a very it became a very powerful scene in the film. But Bob is taking, you know, we do these film festivals. People, are, well, why did you make them? No, I didn't. I didn't want. I just wanted to shoot the space, you know. I said, and then one night in Brooklyn, he goes, I didn't want to react, reenact anything. And I said, you didn't want to reenact anything, <laughs> right? What about me? <laughs> but, uh, but you know, I mean, I, I said, you know, you know, you don't build shrines to demons, and and you know, that guy didn't imbue the cinder blocks in that basement with evil that will can be released. And I knew kids had been down there since and played, and kids would come down into that space and play. And I wanted to come and just say, oh, I take the onus off, but this place is fine. I hope kids have a great time here. And if anything, you know, I mean, I sort of hope, like, I hope my good spirit remains here and, and not this sick, damaged, you know, crazy person who lived a terrible life and ended up dying alone in prison. So even though there's a long way to go in your comedy career, long <laughs> yeah. way to go. Yeah, well, yeah, uh, I got to get to Wilmington Friday. <laughs> <laughs> what would you? What, what seems pretty long. At this point. <laughs> what would you say is your legacy, or what do you want it to be in terms of comedy? Uh, you know, he was brave enough to be kind and pretty fucking funny. <laughs> <laughs> so, do you feel like since you? you know, have discussed these things publicly, it's changed you as a comedian? Well, I don't think about what happens to me. As, I mean, a comedian... Because other people talk about, well, oh, he was bitter before, and now it's well, a little that's, You know, that's that. a little it's a little simplistic. First off, I was... Some of that stuff early on is the first three years or four years I'm doing, you know, regular... And I well, there like was a bitterness. I don't want to say... Yeah, you yeah, bitter, yeah, yeah, was, yeah. Well, no, I had to deal with it. You got, but I went through it and not around it. But I mean, a lot of what annoyed me was there's a lot of cruelty and stuff that people didn't realize that sometimes I'd be mad at how someone was treating someone else. You know, they wouldn't realize, oh, I'm I'm in a position to be cruel to you, and I'm not. And but I saw you treat this. It's like it's like if I see somebody who's kissing my ass and then they're nasty to an intern. It doesn't matter. You did it to me, as far as I'm concerned. That's that's how I am. So some of that attitude at times was just that. I. I've been an empath my whole life, and I immediately, whoever's getting the shit is who I look at and who sets off the tuning fork. This is who you are. Yeah, yeah. And so so I'm myself for a living. And myself, I think I've gotten healed. You know, I think I've I've gotten healed, and and I feel better because I've figured out that pain I was in and I don't behave in a fashion sometimes to corroborate my self-loathing because I don't have the self-loathing anymore. And so I'm very fortunate. So then I get to do see others help others at points i've been at and realize what kind of progress i made and and feel so lucky about that you know so fortunate about that and so you know i've changed as a man probably and and it certainly reflected on stage because i you know i mean i'm calmer and whatever and for whatever reasons i don't you know i don't 
famous last words before tonight's show, but I, they don't, I don't have problems with them. I mean, they basically, or if there's a little problem, I just slough it off quickly and, you know, maybe a quick stern look or something. You used but, to hammer hecklers. Yeah, I know. Well, and and by, by the way, we didn't have the footage of the real funny stuff because I, I tried to ignore you. I figure I wait long enough, the batteries on any dildo would wear out. <laughs> I mean, and then the, there was this long one. It was like, you know, I got the same question everybody else has. Why would someone like you want to draw attention to yourself? How did you even get out tonight? You know, is there like a chain broke? He got away again. Damn it. You were supposed to be washing him. Uh, so there was a lot of, you know, there was a lot of fun. Uh, uh, it, it sometimes, but, you know, for whatever reason, you know, I, I never, the reason there wasn't a lot of footage of me performing was because I was the producer. Mm-hmm. And when there would be cameras around, I didn't want to, oh, put somebody else on because it would just seem like, I oh, he's in everything. Cause, and so I was in almost nothing. That was my approach to it. And, yeah. <clears throat> and I end up being the guy who they needed the footage of for the actual Hollywood motion picture. What do you know? <laughs> <laughs> now, how did that performance style come about? Were you always like that? Because you'd walk on the stage and be like, thanks, everybody. Yeah, great to be here. And then you. Yeah, yeah. Were you. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it is. It's just, it, well, I mean, that to me is taking the stage, and it's something that's lost with so many comics these days. It's like, mm-hmm. you don't walk out and go, hey, how you doing? What? That's a platinum moment. You get introduced. They say you're the funny guy. Well, walk out and be funny. I mean, now I get sort of a response because people know me, and I got to kind of weather that, but, but I've got that bonus from that too. But if they don't really know you, and you go out and you get introduced as this funny guy, the first thing you say, say something pithy and funny. Bang! Nail it! Hit and that's platinum. That's platinum. Now you own them that much. If you come out and meander, hey, what do you ask them a rhetorical question? How are you guys? Because when you ask how you doing to three hundred people, it's a rhetorical. It's like new. There's this famous footage of Newt Rockney giving a speech where he goes, "Today's day, we're gonna win. We gotta win. What do you say, boys?" And there's sixty football players there that all answer, "So who Galibola?" You hear in the <laughs> and so if you want to turn the audience into Galibola, don't walk out and do a joke. Walk out and go, "How you doing?" You know, like. You know, it just go out and take the stage. And I always took the stage. I always had something strong to open with, to, to, to corroborate whatever they said about me before I walked out there, to be that guy. And then, and then there's this relief that goes, oh, we are seeing the right person. You know, and, and it's easy. I mean, I mean, if you're not good enough to have one strong, short joke, if you can't put one of those together. Right. Know, yeah. But sometimes, it, for some comics at least that I've talked to, it's not always about the material, but just the level of comfort it takes. And maybe that comes with time yeah. to come out and just say, boom. You know, like, because there's 300 people that you never seen. And some people struggle to get that level of. I'm telling you, it's the easiest path to the comfort is to get them on your side. And you get them on your side by doing a joke. You're a fucking comic. Tell me something funny. Go out there and do a fucking joke. Bang. Good evening, Bang! Yeah, I'm funny as And if better yet, do a joke about some common circumstance. They all, wow, this guy's going through the same thing we're going through, but he came up with the funniest line about a bang, and he got, you know, and that's, you know, I can't tell you how many times I've done it, but, I mean, I get away with a lot of shit because I'm funny up front, and they go, oh, he's funny, and then suddenly I'm talking about gun control, and they're like, well, you know, for those of you, I'm a proponent of gun control. For those of you in the NRA, proponent means I'm in favor. Um, <laughs> Well, we need hunters need automatic weapons because deer attack in waves. <laughs> so that so then for for the people listening, yeah. Uh, for the people listening that have been through uh, yeah. similar childhood sure. trauma, 
uh, or various traumas, or, or various adults, traumas. You know, uh, right? What yeah. do you What do you say to them? I say you have to go through things and not around them. You have to sort it out. You're not, you know, uh, stop blaming yourself. Stop hating yourself as an answer to what's what. And then kind of projecting that hatred on others. That's because at that point you can become abusive. So you don't want to be abusive by just being miserable all the time. You can be happy. You can come around. And you can hang. I'll, I'll tell you what, some of my best friends, you saw me with one of them the other night. You know, I've been through this. And, and, and you do. It is shorthand, you, you know. Uh and, uh, you know, there is a community there and it's growing. And also it's kind of hip to be part of this thing because we are in the nascent stages of a, a very important human rights movement, the children's rights and safety movement. That's what we need. because You know, you can't hate anybody till you hate yourself. And so if we can teach children to tr- trust, when people go crazy is when their heart and their mind aren't aligned. Their heart's telling them one thing, their brain's telling them the other, and then there's this conflict. Now the conflict becomes inner. Well, your brain doesn't like your heart. Your heart doesn't. The brain says, Jesus, just shut up. The heart goes, no, come on. Then others will be hurt. You know, and then you've got to, you know, like, so you got to get the heart and the mind together. When you do that, that's what you call sanity. And that's, and that's when you get to come to a place where you can be loving and hopeful. And, and then people give you credit for being brave, for just be, having a habit of telling at least what you think to be the truth. Now, are there any resources that you, you know? In- well, there's malesurvivor.org for male uh, stuff. There, there, there's a lot. Of, you know, I don't have them all. But if you, if you contact me through barrycrimmins.com, there's an email thing there, or, or find me on Twitter at Crimmins, C-R-I-M-M-I-N-S, or Facebook or whatever. Everybody's a little different, and, and I, I got a, there's a whole bunch. If you're dealing with the priests, uh, with the clergy abuse, SNAP is a wonderful organization. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, there's a lot of them. Because I wanted us to, you know— on our site or wherever to put some resources down, but I'm oh, like, okay. is there anybody Barry says, hold on, don't, don't no, call these. No, 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 yeah, 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 no, I, okay. I, no, not particularly, but I, I'm on, uh, you know, I really haven't even, since the movie mm-hmm. and touring and whatever, I haven't had time to really put, I've, I got to put together sort of that next phase of my stuff. People wanted me to form an organization. It's like, you know, like you know, everybody calls me. They call me a communist. A lot. It's like I'm not a communist. I can't. I could never take the meetings. You know, <laughs> like I can't stand meetings. You know, I I can't stand meetings. So, but Snap and uh, is really good, and uh, MailSurvivor.org is really good, and that's who I've been dealing with a lot, sort of directly recently. But there's I, I'm forgetting the name of the place. There's, well, there's some great places for yeah. women. And matter of fact, if women who have survived abuse uh and and dealt with the great organizations from and of course there's organizations that that you know that should be integrated i i i understand why we need to go off on our own groups and sort of caucus for a while but then we got you know <laughs> to, 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 to to paraphrase someone using a different word you know integration today integration tomorrow integration forever we need to be together which is why a lot of times when i play a lot of places i have a musician open for me mm. same idea so, so what do you think is, and, and I'll you know wrap up here in a second, but what, what do you think the role of an artist is? Because you've used your artistry to, to speak from an honest place and talk yeah. about things that matter to you. Do you think that's the role of an artist or comedian or... <clears throat> You know, if people want to come up and talk about Hickory Dickory Doc and make well, people yeah, laugh. Yeah, I, I, you know, I have 
I'm way see because of the nature of my act, people think I'm way more judgmental of other acts than I ever have been. I, outside of expecting people to be original and and not cruel, not be on the side of the bullies, which happens way too much in comedy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and then I, it's just my choice to not particularly have it be my cup of tea. I'm not going to go on crusade against anybody or anything, but it's just like, you know, you're a bully and you got to turn, you had an audience, you got a lynch mob now, congratulations. But, um, <laughs> um, uh, you know, as far as what an artist should do, I, who am I to say? But I, I mean, I guess they should find their way and, 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 be able to be themselves for a living and express themselves for a living. What a great thing. I mean, really, for 43 years now, I've been able to wake up in the morning and just pretty much decide what I'm going to do or know that next week I'll have agreed to do this or that. But generally, I wake up in the morning, and I, you know, well, where's my, hey, brain, where do you want to go today? Look at this. You know, and let's go over here. Let's read this book. You know, whatever. I'm so, what a, what a, so, the idea that I would ever walk on stage and be condescending with an audience for not knowing about the stuff I know about, they're in rush hour traffic every day. And, they're, and they're, by the way, that's what where the right wing really is strong because yeah. you, when do you hate everybody? When you're in traffic? When do you listen to Rush Limbaugh? When you're in traffic? Well, what a coincidence, huh? <laughs> everybody <laughs> sucks. Oh, yeah, that's right. I, you know, it's just like, hey, you suck. That's, that, that, that is how hate radio works. That's how it works. You know, you're in a traffic jam. Everybody does suck. You just came from your whole day at your office. We're in your cubicle and you're sure everybody else is going to fuck you over. I mean, and that's, and then you could turn let Sean Hannity will explain you why to be completely paranoid. (laughs) Then you can go home and watch Bill O'Reilly and hate yourself. But in fairness, though, Barry, there is a little condescension in look, folks. There's three branches of government. There's a smidge of condescension in that. Part of the joke was on me. Part of the joke was was on me, though, just discussing my desperate circumstances. You want to hear me talk about, you know, know, airline peanuts, and and I'm just... I, women going to the bathroom in pairs, and I'm like, hey, you know, there's death squads operating in our name in Central America. What? It's Friday night. <laughs> what? <laughs> you know, when you're in the Central Time Zone, what the fuck are you thinking? <laughs> so I've been run straight to the Illinois line a couple of times. But that's another story. So to play fi- a place named Crackers is just a warning. <laughs> <laughs> so the final final question I'll, I'll try to get to yeah. here is what we talked about your legacy as a comedian, and everything else. What about what do you hope people remember about you as a human being? You know, nice guy. You know, and if he if he could help, he did. That's all. You know, nice guy. If he could help. He did, and 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 uh, and had a lot more of a sense of humor about himself than probably you might realize because of the serious stuff I sometimes take on. But I mean, believe me, if I if I wasn't the the brunt of a lot of these jokes, I wouldn't make it through. <laughs> you know, it's, and that's not self-loathing. That's just fun. That's letting steam off. But nice guy, and you know what? A really good friend. That's what I like to say because I say friends are my drug of choice, and I got a lot of really good friends, and I made a couple new ones today. Absolutely, Barry. Well, thanks, man. Thanks so much for coming in. I'm excited. I'm excited to play the uh, Comedy Zone tonight, and hope I do it again. Absolutely. Now, where where are you off to next? Uh, Greensboro, North Carolina on Wednesday at the Idiot Box, and then uh, uh, the Laughing Skull in Wilmington on Friday and Saturday, the 26th and 27th. And then I go up and do March 1st, I do... uh, Stress Factory 
in uh, in uh, New Brunswick, New Jersey, where Rutgers is, and then I cross the state line and go into West Nyack and do Levity Live, and then I, I and then I don't know what I'm doing. Well, I, I know I got Portland coming up, and Atlanta, and Nashville, and Asheville, and bunch of places now people can keep up with you best at barry crimmins.com barry crimmins and you're on twitter too right and i'm on twitter and every day you can see me I think the pope, the pope follows you yeah no? yeah the, no, the pope doesn't Don't no, follow you. no he has me followed <laughs> <laughs> i like to think well thanks again barry for coming yeah, in man you, you're you, the best i appreciate it uh and that's all we got folks i hope you enjoyed it and if you're here come see barry and wherever he's at make sure you come see him fantastic individual and fantastic comic all right bye-bye Comedy Zone Podcast is a production of Comedy Zone Worldwide and is recorded in a bunker just off the Comedy Zone showroom at the NC Music Factory in Charlotte, North Carolina. The executive producers of the Comedy Zone Podcast are Brian Heffern, Lisa Barr, and Brian Baltashevitz. Original music composed and performed by John McKeever.